Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we get to laugh, vent, and get real about what's going on in our offices or work from home offices. In today's episode, I have on two people who, yes, are dear friends, who I think are hilarious and amazing, but they're two people who were really, really heavy on my mind in 2020. In addition to frontline workers, essential workers, every single day I just thought about teachers. (laughs) Like, are you scared to go into the classroom? Do you agree with virtual learning? Do you think it's a detriment to, you know, a child's development? And frankly, what is it like to go into a profession or to be in a profession where you are not adequately supported with the proper resources or finances or budgets governed by the administration? And on top of all of that, you also just have to deal with really devoted, red, uh, overly involved parents. So I uh, got my little curiosity quenched, something like that, by having on two of my dear friends, Brittany Johnson, who teaches pre-K and is a community activist. And we will actually get into the protest that she coordinated, led, directed, killed for Sunnyvale uh, over the summer. And we have on friend to the show, Taylor Punch Weddington, who is a middle and high school science teacher in Dallas, Texas. In this episode, we really get into it all. Budgets, reform, and how we can actually cause a ripple effect if we just feel like voting and cyber activism is no longer enough. Welcome back to Office Politics, and we also have our first return guest, Taylor Punch. W, I think you, you're letting me use your last name, <laughs> Weddington. Yeah, right? that's fine. <laughs> Google her. And joining us is Britt Johnson. Now, Britt, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, oh, God, I hate these questions. <laughs> Gosh, I get these all the time and I still can never answer them. <laughs> um, okay, so my name is Britt Johnson. I'm um, an Aquarius. <laughs> I am um, a preschool teacher right now. I'm studying to become a special education teacher. Um, I like purple and Star Wars and Disney. And <laughs> Are you single? <laughs> oh, yes, big single. Big. Ooh, what, big. What's your tall? What's your uh, dream I like, man? Ooh, my dream man. Um, ooh, I don't have a dream man. I just have a dream uh, scenario. Oh, oh, okay. Waking, waking up in bed next to husband one while husband two is in the kitchen cooking. Wow. That's whoever is that fine like with American that. Dream. Look, that who's is... ever fine with that? Look, hit me up because that's, I mean, look, that's, that's it. That's it. That's fine. Let's let's do it. Listen. And Taylor, for those of you who maybe hadn't caught the episode where we it was happy hour is passion at work, a privilege or a prerequisite for success to success. You can check that out. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Miss Weddington. I myself am also a, a teacher of sorts. I teach chemistry and AP biology currently. Um, I enjoy rock climbing and karaoke. 
as well as Dungeons and Dragons to fill my time. <laughs> and putting on Southern accents, child. Indeed. <laughs> but shout out to the karaoke right there. I forgot to mention that. We all karaoke. Oh, yeah. I'm past like, time karaokeers. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Listen, Taylor is taken, but, um, you know, you can still enjoy her thirst traps on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's the how traps. they're being marketed now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear them called. I don't know. I want to be Gen Z so bad. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with sending on a few thirst traps, guys. Okay, y'all are both taken and I am the single one out here. We're still (laughs) trying to reel in some fish, okay? (laughs) Live your best adult life. (laughs) Listen, I just want Jordan to know that at any time, I can hook, sink, liner. What's the thing you do? Hook, Hook, sink, fish. Hook, hook, line, line, sinker. (laughs) There we go. Jasmine's never gone fishing. Wow. Uh, Um, No, (laughs) ma'am. So that is it. I want to make sure that I he remembers I can catch a man. So I also like to post thirst traps from time to time. So keep it spicy. Spicy. And that's the first topic of the day. Thirst traps. (laughs) From thirst traps to education. We cover it all here on Office Politics. (laughs) So I have you ladies here today because when 2020 swept and turned all of our lives upside down i kept thinking about two sets of people parents and teachers because you all have to rear and reprimand and love on children our future and explain very i mean we have grown-ass adults who don't want to wear a mask so i'm like i don't know how you explain this to children also how do you explain zoom to kids and their parents and Basically, so I never thought something like education could be so affected um, overnight. And so I think about teachers a lot. I want to know what it is like to be a teacher in 2020. What um, what scares you? Where the where we're losing the magic, but also like wait where we are getting things wrong, um, and where we can do better. And then with Britt specifically in this episode, I want to get into a lot of the social justice work that you've done involving um, where you went to high school and how you are uh, impacting students today. So that said, we're going to kind of start off with an open-ended question. Uh, So act one is being a teacher in 2020 during a pandemic. What are your, in one word or a couple, how would you sum up education and teaching in 2020? And we can start off with you, Taylor. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. Utter and absolute chaos. No nice. one I, knows what yeah. they're doing. Uh, oh. The teachers, right, the students, the administration, the superintendent, the all CDC. the way up to <laughs> Betsy DeVos, the CDC, uh, the president. No one knows oh. what's going on. And it is evident. In the way that class and school is being conducted currently. Absolutely. Here, here. And Britt, how how do you feel about that word? It's it's very accurate, but I would like to um, also add um, exhausting. Exhausting. It is is exhausting. And I'm sure it's exhausting in every sense of the word. But when you first say that word, what's the thing that first comes to your head? 
all the all the policy changes, all the constant mm-hmm. policy changes that you have to do and on top of like doing them already and then parents not understanding these policy changes and then it's it's just it's a lot, man. It's exhausting. <laughs> Have you had uh, parents, maybe even faculty, who maybe have opposing political views and had that affect the way they either administer policy or how they interpret policy? Basically, do you have any, like, moms or Karens who are like, my baby will not be wearing a mask because I don't believe in it? Well, since I work at a private preschool, um, the rule is children under eight do not have to wear a mask. So we only have like a couple kids under eight that wear a mask. Um, so we don't really have a problem with that. And then uh, as well as um, political views, we're not allowed to bring any of that up. No, mm-hmm. no Black Lives Matter, no nothing when the protests were going on the summer and I had the school age children. So most of my children are black and they're just like, I'm sad. And I'm like, look, I, I would love to talk to you about this, but I cannot or else I will get fired. So, I mean, absolutely things like that. And then just with their questions about COVID, it's just like, look, I, I, I really don't know. Wait, can we pause? I didn't even think about that. You, yeah, you're going to have kids who are coming up asking you questions about Policy, COVID, politics, Black Lives Matter, and it's hard to have, and it can be tough to have those conversations with people our own age, or really people older than us. Um, So that is, so I want to come back and circle back to that conversation specifically, Britt, but Taylor, I can see that you want to say something related (laughs) to, (laughs) like, Basically, do you have moms and Karens being like, my baby is not going to wear a mask? Well, I thought it was going to be really interesting hearing about from Britt because I know that she teaches at a private school. So I thought Britt's demographic was oh, <laughs> different. I mean, different I mean, we are. My, but my, I mean... my demo of kids is is black and brown. And so there is no complaints over here. They're either at the house <laughs> Or they're at the school and they have that mask on. And a lot of them yeah. have masks and face shields and masks and face shields and the little protective plexiglass. Like, no one is about to play with <laughs> this over at Aria. And we, haven't, we don't have too many Karens. <laughs> I, I will yeah. say, though, like, the children that do come with me, they if they are supposed to wear them, I'm not aware. Because once they get on the bus and get – nah, they – those come straight off. They be oh, putting yeah. them in their mouth, swinging them around, leaving oh them outside. God. And I'm like, well, honestly, I'm going to keep mine on and be good. But I mean, yeah, what your parents do with you is their problem. Exactly. And then I think offline, you both have said that you haven't really dealt with a lot of outbreaks of COVID, right? At your school. Uh, oh. That might be a late update. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for both of us. Yeah, um, I think in my school we've had just on my hall and alone, three people have had to quarantine. So myself, I had to quarantine. Uh, one of one one other teacher down the hall, like a math teacher, and then another teacher, like a oh kind of God. like a yeah leadership counseling type of teacher, uh, and that's just on our hall. Plenty of people at our school have gone, just left, like quit because they haven't, because they don't want to even deal with it or they've had relatives die and they're just like, well, I got to go take care of this. FMLA me. 
because or just matter of fact, just let me resign. I'm going to go because it's too much to deal with. So yeah. there's just holes everywhere, just spots <laughs> to be filled. And when a teacher quits kind of abruptly, you know, like, OK, no one can obviously nobody can for the most part plan for a death or so I understand you have FMLA and you have bereavement, but what are next steps? Is it just filling that position? Do teachers now have two sets of classrooms they have to take care of? What happens to the children? Um, and though, how is everyone affected when a teacher leaves? So that's exactly pretty much what happened in my situation. I was sent over to this new school in order to help with, you know, the stress of COVID. Since at the school that I did work at, uh, we didn't have any kids enrolled. And so when I got over to the new school, uh, one woman had already quit. Uh, This is like before the school year had started. And so they were trying to shift staff around that. And so when I came over, they told me that I would just have to cover a class for like two weeks. Uh, These two classes that I'm teaching now, I just have to cover them for like two weeks until um, this other teacher comes back from her leave. Well, the two weeks were up and literally on the day that she was supposed to come back, they were like, hey, so she quit too. (laughs) So you're going to have to continue to teach these classes. And I was like, oh, y'all could have told me that a little bit sooner. Um, Mama did not come prepared to work. No, ma'am. Listen. And what did you, are you still over there? I'm still over there. I I stayed. (laughs) I I was only supposed to be there temporarily. But the fact that they had an opening at that school, they weren't going to find another science teacher to fill that position. That just, that just, that wasn't going to happen. Especially not a science teacher. (laughs) You're not going to be able to do that. So (laughs) they ended up, um, they ended up uh, just signing over some paperwork so that I stayed at that school. And, you know, I wasn't expecting my year to go like that because now I'm having to teach two classes that I wasn't technically necessarily prepared to teach so it's been very off the cuff it has been very improvised Mm. because at the end of the day the Mm -hmm. kids need a teacher and with that said what kind of support whether it be emotionally or through resources financial aid etc how are you being supported by your school system to take this on (laughs) I will say that my administrators have been very kind they have been very flexible with me, understandable, um, understanding of the situation. And so um, they frequently are asking me, is there anything I need? Are there any resources that I need? Uh, And so I find that very comforting. Like at least you just didn't put me in a whole new situation and you're just like, okay, fend for yourself. Right. Just do it yourself. So I've enjoyed it on that end, but it has still just been a rocky transition to go from, you know, being at a whole nother campus, teaching a whole nother subject, and then having to be like, okay, well, throw something together for this. <laughs> and 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 still have some like evidence to be like, look what these children learned. Like have oh some <laughs> so <laughs> just from my situation, I just know that it has been it's been wild. Yeah. And going to you, Britt, um, you actually brought something up that I wasn't even thinking about, but that's why I love these conversations. When you are going to school and you are teaching these kids, and they're so young and impressionable, what pressures or maybe there's a different word for it do you feel um, 
to make sure that they do understand things like racism and health policies and politics and how to treat each other with respect. I feel like it is somewhat my, um, I think the word you're looking for is responsibility. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so happy to be around educators (laughs) with vocabularies. (laughs) I I have the responsibility to, um, I mean, if I can't get to these kids in a way of making them understand politics and race, the least I can get them to do is understand how to just be kind to somebody else because honestly my time when I was growing up in middle school and elementary school was not fun I was bullied and picked on so if I could save a child from being bullied and picked on by just being like look you just be kind it doesn't matter if that's a boy and they like pink like I'm a girl and I like blue and I like basketballs and I like Star Wars but that does not make me a boy so like I'm just like be accepting and be kind to everybody and that's literally the only thing that I try to teach Everything else, politics, racism, I wish I could speak on it, but like I said, mm. policies. Yes, and keeping your job yeah. important right now. Mm-hmm. No, that that's interesting. And then with for both of you, I think one thing that 2020 has gifted me is like I just a much lower to zero tolerance for certain behavior and bullshit that I was letting slide in 2019 and before um are there any things that you've had to let go or do you have a different mentality or point of view as it relates to being a teacher um I would have to say uh the amount of patience that I didn't even know I had but that I've still had to bring to the table has really opened my eyes to the fact that we're not very kind to these children. <laughs> we're not really dig, nice to these kids. Um, <laughs> dig deeper. Dig deeper. What do you mean by that? I'd say we're not, we don't treat them like humans. We treat them more like products. Like um, little adults. Yeah, little which, robots. <laughs> which they're not. They're they're not. Um, they're children. They're children. They that people that don't have the same emotional or mental or physical capacity as you, and mm. that you are still expecting them to function on the mm. same level as you. Per example, um, we can be in a Zoom meeting. You, me, Britt, we've all been in some type of Zoom meeting at this point. At any point in your Zoom meeting, has anyone demanded that you like turn on your camera or stop like multitasking or stop eating a bowl of cereal or just whatever you're doing when you're an adult in a meeting, right? We all know yeah. how, how we're conducting ourselves on Zoom. And yet I've had people tell me to demand children to like turn on the lights in their room on the Zoom or to put on like actual clothes like t-shirt and pants on the Zoom hmm. or to have the children like not eat on the Zoom. And I'm like, these kids are at the house. <laughs> yeah. They are, they've been in the house they for months in the comforts and in the isolation of their own homes. And you want them to act as though it's just, it's just like not it's not fair to someone that's like 13 to mm-hmm. expect them to get up at 8 a.m. and then eat breakfast 
<laughs> and then read the paper, and then put on their collared shirt and and khaki pants, and then to sit quietly at the kitchen table, prepare to do un- <laughs> an unrealistic eight hours of Zoom. That uh, yeah, a, you're a right. Because even as adults, we like we don't have our you pants on. You don't do that. You don't. I do feel that. like as an adult, you, you can't. Zoom, let's be honest. You can't even sit through like a whole two hour meeting as an adult without dozing off. <laughs> Like I don't no. know, and, and they want, or you're on your phone, yeah, or yeah. you're you have the TV on in the background, or you're trying to make sure that your kids are doing their Zoom. Ugh. Like the the amount of scenarios that I've heard from students where they're just like, "Yeah, Miss, I have to help my sister on her Zoom because my mom isn't here; she's at work." Yeah. Or, "Hey, Miss, I have my infant kids will be on the Zoom with their infant siblings, right? Like holding other children." And it's just like you oh. want these children to pay attention to you, still be as pay attention to me, and still be as successful as they were in the classroom. <sighs> Damn, I was not even. You know what? You're opening my eyes. Which then the the, the next thing I'm wondering is, uh, do you think this is almost like a throwaway year, and everyone should just repeat whatever grade they were in? I know things can't be that simple, but what it, are your thoughts? It's already lost. It's yeah, all, yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's already lost. Even with the end of last year, I know because the pre-K is going to kindergarten, the kindergartners going through first graders, like you see it starting there. Like they mm-hmm. are, they still don't know their words, their letters. They're like trying to get caught up. And then of course you still got to get ready for tests this year. So the third graders are still trying to get ready for their star test. And it's Wait, like they, qu- mm-hmm. we're still having tests. Ma'am. Ma'am, star tests are still going on. My my kids retest for the star next week. Am I stupid to think that makes no sense? Like they're not gonna do well and No. The the school district that I work for, um, they're <laughs> considering canceling the um the fall ACPs for this year. And mm-hmm. I pray to God they do. Mm-hmm. I pray to God mm-hmm. they do because again, for a lot of teachers, if you teach a uh end of course class, something like biology or English you you how much you get paid is based on how well those kids do so are you now not only talking about jeopardizing kids success Wait. but then you're also jeopardizing teacher like my pay, pay on, on top of my pay because <laughs> of the data of because of the data that you got from this no maybe this is something everyone knows i didn't know that about teachers i thought all like Oh, if you're in the city of whatever, this is how much you get paid. Mm-mm. So, no. But, but, and I know this is the part where it's like, yes, Jasmine, welcome to systemic <laughs> racism. Yeah. But, um, certain schools don't have the same budgets. Like, we don't distribute resources the same way. So, like, of course, like private schools in Frisk. So, um, to make it for all that, private schools in the suburbs are going to do better than like, in communities where people experience like food insecurity, housing insecurity. So then you're kind of punishing the teachers for being in that school, but it, it's not fair. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's not. not fair. And, no, and if you want to go fair. a step further, like it doesn't even go from department to department. Like the resources don't even go 
from department to department like they're supposed to. Like, arts, arts, and the oops. arts. Where are the arts? Where are those? Because I promised you, some some basketball players would love to be out there on the theater court, on the theater stage, and shit. But um, but athletics ate up the budget. <clears throat> boosters. <clears throat> <clears throat> you want to talk about some boosters, man? Yes, but yeah, I mean, no, resources are not equally set out through the school district, through the school, throughout the class, throughout nothing. No, it's greedy. It's a corporation. You just answered my next question. I was just going to say, as I'm sitting with both of you ladies, it feels kind of like how prisons are a for-profit business. It kind of just sounds like education is yet another business. Oh, of course. Why do I feel like I've been living under a fucking rock? And I read, like, I, I listen to podcasts, but I just feel like, I, like I'm like i not, I feel like this conversation isn't being had in the open. But is this something that you all talk to each other with at, like, happy hour and stuff? Oh, teachers complain. We're complaining all oh, the time. Yeah. We complain all the time to each other. We're complaining. <laughs> we're <laughs> that's all you do. We're constantly complaining. Yeah, that's all I do is complain. That's all I do is complain. My, my mom made an interesting point one time, though. Um, she said she likes to say that female based careers, uh, we have we we complain a lot, but we don't uh, a lot of change is usually not done in our industries like nursing, teaching. Mm. Oh, um, it's kind of just like, eh, well, deal with it. So my brother in law is a nurse and my sister in law also works in the healthcare department. And it's so crazy. They in the middle of covid. They're on the front line and they still got their pay cut. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And then my brother-in-law is now becoming a traveling nurse and he let us know what his new, not salary because he gets paid by the hour, but basically what he will now be bringing home. And I was appalled to learn what he was getting paid before at one hospital where he's taking care of COVID patients around the clock and that's becoming that's becoming a new thing the traveling nurse that's Mm -hmm. becoming a new hot thing because they're making garbage money but then even then i've heard some some uh traveling nurse horror stories oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i'll I'll have to have him on because he has been warned so hopefully everything kind of turns out great for him but um but yeah so to kind of switch gears um because we talked about policy and classroom changes what changes have you had to make to your classroom that you feel like are positive and are working that you would love to see continue in 2021 no late work policy no assignment dates um very flexible as far as how I accept student work and what I will accept as student work. Um, Mm. At this point, if the child is showing an inkling of effort, we have to (laughs) recognize that effort and then give them something for it. We have to. I have a student that likes to draw. She exclusively... she Her time in class, she's often just not paying attention. She's drawing. So instead of her writing out her assignments, if she can draw something cute for me... And then yes. turn it in over the internet. That's fine, sweetie. If a little comic, a little comic about Love whatever it. we're talking about in chemistry. That's actually fine with me. Mm. That, that goes cool. along with the intelligences, though, that the school system doesn't doesn't 
talk about or doesn't incorporate into their curriculum is Howard Gardner's nine different intelligences, you know, the interpersonal, mm-hmm. the musical, mm-hmm. the kinetic. Mm-hmm. And like, that's one thing why I think the one reason why I think the education system is so whack is because it's not just reading and looking and hands on. It's so much more. So yeah, draw me a picture, homie. You, you got it then. Wait, you know what's so funny about what you're saying, Britt? It it hits home on like a totally different level. I was thinking today how um, when I went to college, I think I got to see more of like what my strengths were. And um, I ended up having like a high school friend and a college friend. The three of us were talking and the high school friend was like, oh, Jasmine has to marry Rich because she'll never like basically amount to anything. And the college friend was like, what are you talking about? She's like such a go-getter and she like joins a bunch of clubs and she like becomes friends with professors. Like she's going to own her own business someday. And it was this weird thing of like in high school, because I was kind of like a B student, like, you know, I, I did really good in language arts and social studies, horrible trash at math and science. Taylor, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And it's, um, and so I think for a while I did accept this narrative like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to amount to much. And it's really just this like standardized testing and certain things just don't, it's not my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would love to hear both of you kind of talk a little bit more about that because I would love to see um, curriculums further develop. I do like, I have a friend who does Montessori schooling. It sounds like that may be a little bit more hands-on. I still have a limited understanding of it, but what are some other thoughts you guys have around how we can better empower our students to actually go after things that they're good at and things they're interested in? Oh, just talk to them, boo-boo. Just, <laughs> just talk to them. If they raise their hand in class and they and they ask a question, just answer the question. That's it. I feel like like so many times like children get shut down before they even get a chance to ask the question. Like it just makes no sense to me. So yeah, if they ask a question, just answer it. Talk to them. Yes, yeah. and it's, you ain't gonna die for yes. talking to a child. Yes. Just and being honest with a child because they can exactly. smell dishonesty. They can smell when mm-hmm. you're lying. They even even the lying. first graders, the first, second, third graders, they all know. Damn. It really sounds like let's treat them like humans is a basic thing I'm learning. Circling <gasps> back. Circling back. Circling back. If you treat the humans <laughs> like humans, who would have Somebody get this ma'am a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) And empathy. Like, Taylor, I love what you said. Like, if you are showing me that you are giving me anything, let's have a little empathy. And I think we've gotten so far away from that. And it bleeds into how we treat adults that were once children in the workplace. It's, oh, your mom died? Yeah, well, we only give you three days off. So three, you got to make it work. Yeah. Three, I had, I had somebody so. call me from a former employer and she was like, I had to use all of my vacation days to take care. Like one of her step parents had died, I think. And I'm like, they should have just given you bereavement and, or just like, just let you go. Like people are dying every day, especially now. Like 
I can't believe somebody had the audacity to look you in the face and be like, um, so your pay will be affected if you take off any more time, even though I understand that your parent is dying. It's it's very um sociopathic. They I they know. No, man, they don't they don't care. I told you that um when I even went to go get tested for COVID at the beginning of the summer. Oh yeah. Um it, it was when it was taking like 14 days for tests. So like I, I I did my protest and I got tested afterwards just because I was around a g- big group of people. Um, I got tested, went back to school. And then um my franchise owner called me or my director called me on my lunch. And she was like, hey, you can't come back until you get your test. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, if you had enough calls to get the test, then maybe you should quarantine. And I'm like, I'm just doing it as a as a precaution, ma'am. So I was out for um, almost three weeks and they did not pay me, even though they would not let me come back to work. I, the test came back nev- negative and they were like, they only have to pay you if the test comes back positive. So even though the test was negative and we were all good, they told me I couldn't come back. You know what? Uh, I just, three weeks at home, no pants. I was fine, whatever. <laughs> No pants, no pay, no problem. No problem. At this this point, whatever. Give me my wine. I'll be okay. Now, we are going to go to a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about how to show up and show out for your students and the future generation. Be right back. Look, I may not even know you personally, but I already know one resolution that's on your list to read more, to rest more, to take more moments to stop and spend time with yourself. Self-care, maybe all of those things are on your list. Regardless, I got just the thing to kick off your new year right. If you're looking to read more or really dive more into self-care, you have to get your hands on Revolt Careers BYOB Revolt Be Your Own Boss book. First of all, it's $12.99, but with my discount code OfficePolitics, you get 25% off. So for next to nothing, you get to learn the methodology written in BYOB Revolt, now used on all of their platforms, which is a brick-by-brick strategy to navigate your professional destiny on your own terms. So are you just tired of looking at other people's blueprints or trying to define success on someone else's terms? I was tired of the same thing. And thankfully, I stumbled across BYOB Revolt, um, which is now Revolt Career Network. And from there, I got to learn everything that I needed to know in order to really become the entrepreneur that I am today. So again, whether you're looking to read or become a better business person, consider going over to revoltcareernetwork.com, getting your hands on the BYOB Revolt, Be Your Own Boss book. And don't forget, if you use offer code OfficePolitics, you get 25% off the book as well as anything else on the site. And if you read it, snap a pic, tag me, let me know what you thought. All right. And we are back with Taylor and Britt. Um, So when we left, you gave us some call to actions that we can take with school board meetings in order to get more involved to take that first step towards change. Britt, I actually want to talk about a lot of the change that you have um, caused, impacted, facilitated in 2020. So can you 
give our audience a backstory of what you did this year with the protests. Oh, Lord. Um, so it was, it was late one Tuesday night. I was, um, I was having a bottle of my finest um, $6 wine. Mm. And um, there was a, a magazine article that came out when I was in high school from D now. And it was like Sunnyvale, whitest town in North Texas. And I just remembered it for some reason, because there was something on Twitter, they were calling out their hometowns for being racist. Mm. So I did that. I posted on, on Twitter and Facebook. I was like, Oh guys, you know, just to call to all the um, people of color at Sunnyvale past and present was like, um, Hey, you know, like if you've ever experienced something in the halls of Sunnyvale, just, you know, leave a comment, let us know. And I didn't know because one, I'm not in the Sunnyvale eye, you know, I, um, mm-hmm. I I left that place a long time ago and it was really just one of those, Hey, let me just, oop, Facebook yep. post. And it went, and I wouldn't say it went viral in my little town, but in my little two stop sign town, hometown. Yeah, it did. Um, it yep. rubbed people the wrong way because it was, year after year, class after class of students of color saying, yes, Sunnyvale is racist. The teachers are racist. The school Mm -hmm. system, everything is white. It's nepotism. It's racist. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. me and a couple of other students, um, three alumni and one current student, um, organized a protest. We um, talked to the town, talked to police officers. We made a survey. Um, had a list of demands, made a whole Facebook page, Instagram page about how um, it was called Raiders, Raiders Rise. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And the R-I-S-E was racism in Sunnyvale exist. So it was a play on and they still use the hashtag Raiders Rise. And I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble. But for me, it stands oh. for racism in Sunnyvale exist. So we did a march and you guys came out and I was so happy for you guys to come out. Oh my God. It was so good. Oh my God. There was a lot of people, um, but it was basically just calling out the school system for the systematic racism, the, the being the model minorities that they would Mm -hmm. always pull Mm -hmm. out for like, we're not racism. We're not racist. We have these students and it would be like, you're pulling out the model minorities that are, yeah. That are often, you know, yes, they're great kids, but like once they left Sunnyvale, like they realized that no, we were in that little bubble. Yep. And yeah, we're yep. we're waking up and we're seeing. And even the friends that I had um growing up, I remember I stopped being real good friends with them after Ferguson, after after Mike Brown. Like it was just an eye-opening experience mm-hmm. listening to what they would say. And I was like, This is y'all racist. Like it was yep. just like the little things like I would I piece together and together and I was like, okay, I can't do this. But being able to walk back on that town and just bring awareness to all the racism mm-hmm. and the things that have happened since then, it's just been wow. Can't believe I did that. <laughs> Okay, I might be a little naive here, but I feel like we all end up like a rite of passage as an adult is to be like, what? I never learned about taxes and 401k. And I do know that some uh, like nonprofits and basically people who just have good in their heart and time to start a nonprofit 
are pushing for there to be more curriculum, like, hey, you do have to teach what a 401k is in schools. But a lot of that is just now getting off the ground. It's just very, uh, I'm going to tell you what I believe and what I've read is we really are just grooming people to work eight hours a day plus. You start having an eight hour work day the moment that you turn like seven or eight years old. You're expected to go to be in school between 7 and 3 p.m. or Mm -hmm. 8 and 4 p.m. Just like your mommy and daddy. You are not allowed a a nap in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. You can only go to the bathroom during certain times. (laughs) If (laughs) you're just literally grooming children to become worker bees. Just like I said last time, like if you wanted a child to have the type of imagination necessary to mm-hmm. do different careers like maybe like a culinary artist mm-hmm. somebody who's a painter somebody yeah. who's a musician um nowadays people are taking on non-traditional careers entrepreneurs people working from home people who do who run online stores you're not giving children the space or mm-hmm. the time to be imaginative enough to even create their own yeah business or their own and do you think none of us have children but do you think a lot of the parents are also not fostering that at home not not out of malice just out of sheer like they're exhausted and they're working 50 hours a week and they you know there's no um at least from the parents that i've seen at my past school and at this school um Everyone is too overwhelmed to really worry about their children. I know some people have been hard up, like they're at the kitchen table, their kids are at the kitchen table, and they're they're the new mm-hmm. coworker. Your kid yeah. on Zoom and you're on Zoom, and that's what it is. But a lot of parents, now that the kids are at home, the kids are helping with real life stuff. The kids like you said, taking care of infant babies. That's... The, the kids are in the Zoom and they're just like, "Oh, miss, I'm on the way to take. I'm taking my grandma to the doctor. Sorry." Like children, I don't, I think for a lot of parents, school isn't seen, it's just seen as like the kid job. It's your child's job. Mm, I think mm. that's the best way I can put it. It's your child's job to just handle up on school. So psychologically, and I have no science to back this up, but psychologically, it seems like we are robbing children of a childhood or innocence, but it also feels like creativity is going to take a huge nosedive because of this. Is that a fair hypothesis? What do you think? Okay. So while I do think that, um, yes, the arts and stuff, the arts and music, uh, not in stuff, the arts and whole, um, yes, they're, they're not being paid attention to in school, but in times of need, when you are sad, when you need something, you always turn to music That's or true. art or yeah. something. So while, yes, it might not be in the school system, people might not be encouraging it, but you're not going to tell somebody who likes to make music that they can't go out there and make music. They're going to find right. them a little bucket. They're going to make some music. They're going to find a way to make art. I don't think the arts are going to go away. I don't think they're going to take a hit. If anything, I think they're going to flourish because of everything that's going on this year people are going to find a way to turn to music and let out their expressions of how they're dealing with everything especially the children 
Absolutely. Wow. I love that point. I like that perspective. It's much more hopeful. And thanks for adding to that. Much more on the positive side. <laughs> I see nothing but d- the depths of despair. I, still love. <laughs> I love both of you. And Britt, when you were putting together, I-, I know we kind of walked away from the conversation a little bit, but going back to the Sunnyvale protests, um, how how do you recommend whether it be student teachers, people like me going to school board meetings, how should we speak with local officials and administrators in order to be heard? When we did our, just to let the administration be heard, we had a um, a letter. So we had a template um, that people could fill out, like, I experienced racism this way, this way, this way. And they would send it out to like a mass email to the school Mm -hmm. board and people like that, um, just to bring awareness. Mm -hmm. If you were going to go through and do a whole protest and be like, bring community members, first thing I would do is make sure that there is a purpose. That's what I was told. Like I made this Facebook post and everybody was mad and it's still public. You can see it. It was very 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 angry because you know racism is angry like I was not gonna put a cap on that Mm -hmm. but I was told like yes you made this post yes this is happening but what is your purpose what what do you want to do like what are you trying to attain by doing this so always make sure that you have something that you want to attain first and then you can from there you can figure out well if you if it's going towards school then you need to Make sure that you get teachers on board, current and past students, alumni, PTA if you can, school board, make sure they're on board. Make sure that whatever you're saying isn't too raunchy. You have to put your anger aside, which is very hard to do. It's very hard to like come back and be humble and try to work together with people and try to actually get this, get these things taken care of. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it answers my question very, very well. And finally, I think I just want to ask this for both of you. Um, as far as helping children in your own backyard, how can teachers, educators, and those who really care, um, what can we just do when it comes to interacting with children and really ensuring that we are fostering creativity and imagination and uh, getting us out of those pits of despair. <laughs> show them respect. Respect these children. Show these kids the same amount of respect and and personability that you would treat another adult. They're tired too. They're helping mm. you at the house too. They still have homework to do. Not only that, they're going through puberty and emotions. Just treat them like you've been at that point in your life before. They're dealing with not having the newest shoes during a pandemic, bro. They're not being able to see their friends during a pandemic. They're getting bullied online during a pandemic. They're still getting abused at home during a pandemic. Some of them aren't eating during a pandemic. Just be a little nicer to these little people. Yeah, and school used to be the place where you can go to like have fun and be free kind of like you would have your clubs and your friends and stuff. And now school who socially it's serving no purpose. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It is serving very little purpose. And then edge it. The physical building of school is almost not serving a purpose anymore either. 
So, so what are we really doing? What's really going on? All right, sweet girls. Well, I love you both. Thank you for being on and let's treat children with respect. What a novel idea. Another thought-provoking and incredible episode thanks to those who are doing the real work, teachers, and everyday essential workers. Guys, please make sure that you check out both Taylor and Britt on social media. You can find them if you head on over to officepolitics.podcast on Instagram. And as always, I want to continue this conversation, especially if you are a teacher or a part of the administration. Let me know what are your thoughts? How can people get more involved? Or is there anything we were really missing from the dialogue? Um, Always, always an open forum. But until next time... Stay blessed.